fellow wanderers in the fourth dimension and welcome to the greatest show in the galaxy i am emma she he is mike and today <laughs> we're continuing i nearly said she is mike and today we're <laughs> continuing with our quest uh, for the key to time and mm. today we find ourselves on the planet tara and mm. dealing with the androids of so mike where shall we begin um so basically it's the prisoner of zender in, in space, space. In space. The only other thing is as well that oh, it, it, it was a problem as well watching this. Mm-hmm. So I watched it with my dad as well. And um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, problem is, especially when you see our, our first glimpse of the poor, the dear Count Gredel of Gracht was uh, <laughs> something which uh, which which uh, sent giggles abound in the Foster household. But um, yeah, so shall we begin at the beginning? And we're on the TARDIS again. And I must mm-hmm. say, I was waiting for another almighty exposition drop but they they spared us this time yeah yeah that was nice because I, see i think that's the thing with um these sorts of stories with dr Hill, who's like split up into parts a lot of people just sort of duck in and out so and one of the good things i like about androids of tara is it kind of sort of gets the fetch quest of the key to time sort of pretty much out of the way with within the first 10 minutes but yeah. you know the politics and the shenanigans and goings on of tara sort of like impede that <laughs> mm. yeah um so i mean what do you make of so i mean obviously we have our tardish shenanigans of uh um doing some chess uh, mm-hmm. with k9 and of course the doctor gets wrecked um comprehensively <laughs> as he must mm-hmm. um i must say one thing that strikes you is you'd never have any of the previous doctors getting absolutely maybe the second doctor getting trounced at chess but uh <laughs> You, you feel like this scene would be the beneath the dignity of uh, maybe Doctors 1 and 3. Mm-hmm. Well, certainly uh, John Pertwee's Doctor. <laughs> yes, he would have been the world's, you know, the universe's greatest chess player, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, talking about sort of stepping on John Pertwee's toes, we'll come on to that as we go. <laughs> um, so there's one thing that always sticks out straight away. Mm-hmm. Romana's outfit. Which, of course, you know, the TARDIS wardrobe is in alphabetical order, so for some reason she opens the door and walks in straight on, on the T-rack. Yeah. Not on the A-rack. No. <laughs> and, you know, the latest Tyrant fashion is what she pulls out, which makes her look like some sort of disco cavalier. <laughs> well, the thing was, that was Mary Tam's own design, wasn't it? It, it, was, it was supposed to be like a replacement of something else, which was like made out of tweed and sort of really scratchy. And she sort of came up with that herself. And, I mean, she does suit, like, the purple, but the green is just sort of not... Hmm. Mm. No, but my point is that no one on Tara is wearing anything remotely like that. Well, yes, that's the thing. I mean, apart from maybe it's the Princess Strella. Mm. But that's it. Yeah, really, very much that is it. Yeah, um, yeah it's very odd, You, but, you know, it's sort of... It, the the outfits that the Tyrans are actually wearing somewhat recalls our first adventure in the mm. Time Saga because they're all dressed like sort of bargain bin mongolians for most of it most of them yeah that's very true and i think it's like a british general in the background of one of the scenes or some things which is like, yes, okay and some sort of teutonic helmets with just basically a spear tip jammed in the top yeah <laughs> <laughs> anyway, anyway sartorial elegance aside mm. um i do just i mean i don't know if it sort of reflects it's a reflection of maybe tom's feelings on the uh on the whole idea of the key to time saga, but the doctor just really wants to go fishing and not be asked about the key to time whatsoever. Mm. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I suppose that's something we'll get into, like when we do like the, the, the roundup. Sh- yeah. The roundup show. Um, 
But yeah, I mean, like I say, it. I think it was a very like it was an interesting twist this time. Mm. So like the, the key segment itself is not the main thrust of the story. No. As it, I mean, I mean, there wasn't really that much of the thrust in the other three, the previous three stories. But no. this one is a lot more pronounced. Like so, like Romana literally finds it within like ten minutes. <laughs> yeah, literally goes down the road. Oh, there it is! Until we're interrupted by. Arch villain of the piece, <laughs> Count Grendel of Grax. Yeah, do you know when um was was said in uh, Stones of Blood that there should have been like a freeze frame and the caption coming out saying this is the villain. Yes. Yeah. As my dad pointed out, you should have just come into the come into the screen going ha 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 Because really is he's like here's your baddie for the yeah. uh, for the episode here. Yeah. Um, I have to say, I'm very surprised that so it was Peter Jeffrey in this role. I could totally see this to- play by Tony Ainley. Yes, it was quite masterish. I just don't, but I mean, it's something that we bring up a fair amount, or I bring up a fair amount, is that whole idea of it being slightly panto mm. this season. And yeah, I mean, could you have is sort of none more panto villain? <laughs> it's, really yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, it's panto. It's true. It's true. I mean, he, he barely... I mean, maybe it's when he first meets Romana and saves her from the terror of terror that is the Tarn Wood Beast. Oh, for God's sake. <laughs> I mean, it's a good thing they don't, like, really sort of, like, show it after that. No. I'm glad... Well, you've sort of... Again, it's sort of... You sort of are relieved it's not, like, um, you know, Peladon, where... The main baddie is sort of a a big cuddly elf looking mm-hmm. thing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it, it it shit. Let's let's not yeah, beat around the bush. It is and shit. It's, it, it's you know, I've seen suggestions of maybe it's uh, someone someone in Count Grendel's employ. They just have a have around to sort of scare <laughs> hot chicks into the, the arms of a, a sleazy <laughs> sleazy sexual predator. <laughs> <laughs> uh, do you know what? That sounds a lot more plausible than the actual yeah, Tarn Wood Beast. Yeah, yeah. I mean, she is, you know, Romana just happens to succumb to the most cruel of Doctor Who companion fates, the twisted ankle. Ah, uh, yeah. And it does, it, uh, like, watching that scene back, it, you don't really, like, see a moment where she, like, does that, though. And it doesn't bother her one little iota. No. It's like, right. I feel like there was, you know, sort of something else I bring up quite a lot. The 3am writer's room yeah. um, thing of, you know, Chinese food and cigarettes and what the hell are we going to get you into? I'll just get someone to scare her and, you know, her ankle hurts a bit. And <laughs> <laughs> I mean, especially in the days we live in now of uh, post-factual Trumpism. Mm. Um, this whole thing of, you know, a man just sort of grabbing somebody and insisting on carrying them around is deeply icky. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was deeply icky before, but, you know, now it's sort of... Double plus icky. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but anyway. The only thing is, they say, as um, as uh, they approach uh, the castle, um, especially seeing what Grendel looks like, uh, you are sort of tempted to go, it's only a model. <laughs> yeah. Grendel does look like someone who, between his crests, wears string vests and impersonates Clark Gable. Mm-hmm. I mean, the the map painting. I mean, bless it, they, do, they do try with the map paintings, and it not doesn't really work. Um, it just looks like a bit stuck on an actual castle, which is what it is. Yeah. 
It's the confusingly named Leeds Castle, which is in Kent. Yeah. Not in Leeds. <laughs> no. Yeah. Which infamously, um, a few, oh, yes, is years ago in the 80s, uh, two American ladies did a sort of one of the earliest uh, Doctor Who location tour books. Oh, oh, they did. did. And infamously said, take a train to Leeds, <laughs> then take a train back to Kent, where the actual Leeds Castle is. <laughs> Right. <laughs> One of the infamous mistakes in that book, I can't remember what it's called now, but Chuck has a copy. It's highly amusing. <sighs> so, after having been <laughs> moderately, you know, sleezed upon by Count Grendel, mm-hmm. uh, we cut back to the Doctor, who, um, in the midst of fishing, for some reason, his new fixation, is uh, set upon by two randos, as is our want. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean... I do like Zadok and Farah. Um, I will confess, I find Farah deeply irritating. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, he is. <laughs> I know, like... every second he's whipping his sword out. It's like, dude, <laughs> can you just relax? <laughs> you know, it, it, looking at things like the Time Monster, is the ultimate, like, Sire, let me punish this insolent dog sort of guy. It's like, please, dude, just bring it, bring it down a... A, a couple of pegs. He is a bit of a try-hard, isn't he? He's ever so try-hard. Um, it's, again, it's this sort of thing of societies on on these planets that we've only got a very short, really, window to, to mm-hmm. set dress. Yeah. And you sort of just have to infer that they still seem to be this kind of honour-obsessed yeah. society with very strict rules of combat and war. And yeah. But it's 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 kind of weird, like what little they do explain about Tara, because they have androids. This is going to be my next big point. Yeah. Yeah, but it's sort of like feudal. No- yeah, it's feudal. So they leave the peasants to do work on the androids, and the nobility just sort of like don't bother. I mean, they have like the little electric swords, but it's it's sort of it's really kind of odd. Yeah, it is very strange because they mentioned that. A large amount of society was wiped out by some sort of plague. Mm-hmm. So their technology is good enough to make very realistic human androids. Yeah. But they can't do anything about this plague. No. And they have electric weapons. Yeah. But they all live in castles with furs. Yep. And no heating. Yeah. And they seem to, again, because we've got the this kind of high priest character mm-hmm. and this big clock on the wall, which is about, which you sort of infer is something to do with their... Zodiac, um, I think, wasn't scope. it? Yeah. yeah. So we've got some sort of... So did society entirely collapse and it went back to some sort of dark ages? I, I don't know. It doesn't really... That's It's never that's like really that. inferred that it, it was like high technology and they yeah. reverted. It seems to have always been that way. Yeah. It's it's very weird. I mean, it's interesting certainly, but it doesn't it's not explained particularly well. I think it's it's very much just like so an afterthought. Like the whole bit about the the um the plague wiping out the population. I think that was just a bit of filler to so you can Explain like that. why we have androids. Yeah, and just like just to kill the time while they're walking through the uh, hidden passage. Who uh really? Yeah. It's very strange, and it's it's kind of to illustrate the kind of almost yawning chasm 
between <laughs> how we write stories now and how we write stories then, mm-hmm. in that you could almost just say, well, it's that. Yeah. And, you know, the, the point is that we're here to look at the Doctor run around and be great and have androids and sword fights and stuff like that, but don't worry about all this background stuff. Whereas now, if you're watching a show and they sort of did that, you go, what? <laughs> it would be entirely unacceptable to do that. You, yeah. would have, you would be out of the writer's room with a flea in your ear trying to pull that sort of shit off, but... <laughs> Yeah, it's... yeah. <laughs> yes, I mean, the fact that apparently these androids are so good, they're indistinguishable from human, because dear old Romana nearly gets decapitated because they can't tell her from a bloody machine. Well, they can't check her for a pulse? Yeah, yes. I mean, I, I don't know how... this thing. We don't know how these androids really work, so, you know, even when Grendel was carrying her on a horse, surely he would have, like, felt a body heat or something. You know, I, I don't... Yeah. I mean, I don't understand how the androids work, so, you know, maybe they do power body heat or something, but it, it's just not... It's very... It's it's bizarre. Yeah, it, I mean, they really can go to this... Go to the fact that she is... An, they say, go on thinking that she is an android for really... An too long. An incredible amount of time. Yeah. And it's too long. Yeah. It's Yeah, it's too long. Yeah, but to be honest, it's kind of okay because we get to meet... By far the most interesting character in this story, in my opinion, mm-hmm. Madame Lamia. Yeah. Who is a really, who really is in like, you know, Sir not appearing in this story. She's like in a different show to everybody else. Yeah. In she... the, the subtleties with which her character is written. Mm-hmm. I mean, because everyone else is kind of broad strokes, you know, you've got the yeah, yeah. prince, the captured princess. Mm-hmm. Um, the ridiculous over the top villain, the hunchback, bloody <laughs> underling, um, you know, kind of the the brave soldiers, yeah. and then you've got Madame Lamia, who is this really subtle kind of, it seems to be in love with Grendel, sort of not, but you know, knows that at any minute she may be replaced, but mm-hmm. you know, she's she's kind of a character who. She's so interesting. I think one of the most egregious acts of this story is killing her off early. Yeah. And it's also weird because, you know, Grendel sort of... He does care about her. He's definitely not in love with her. No. They've definitely... Uh, <clears throat> oh, I um, Yeah. Yeah. Um, but even when she gets, like, shot down by accident, she's like, damn it, what are you doing? And it's it's it's... It's a very odd relationship they have because he threatens to have her flogged. But, like I say, you know, he gives her a bit of a smooch before she goes to meet the Doctor with the duplicate Romana. And, it, yeah, and it's... Well, she's, so she's obviously the brains of this operation. Yeah. I feel like that Grendel didn't think of any of this himself. Mm-hmm. And again, it's it's the it's the weird sort of disconnect that it's that's inherent in Tara's, in Tara's society because... She's a peasant, she's say as much, and yet she's got the superior technical knowledge. And I think even, like, Reinhardt said to uh, Zadok at one point, you know, wouldn't you think our fathers would have passed on these mechanical skills to us? Yeah, it's so strange that it's the peasantry mm. who... Ha- you would think that it's a bit... You were something like virtually every other society we've seen on Doctor Who in that the peasantry are kind of oppressed by their lack of knowledge... Mm-hmm. They it's they know their place, but they do the manual labour. They do all this sort of thing, but 
it's almost like that they're they're the underclass because they manage the ones that do all the work. Mm-hmm. But if that's the, I mean, who I mean, you know, where is peasant school that <laughs> they're getting taught all this stuff? Exactly. Um, you know, and and Lamia isn't obviously isn't just you know just knows how to fix androids. Mm-hmm. She seems to have a great deal of scientific knowledge also that she's working on the the piece of the key to time. Yeah. That she really you know knows she's got a lot of now so you know when she's talking to romana mm-hmm. she's got way got the upper hand in that thing where she obviously romana's trying to get the the piece back but mm-hmm. you know she knows it's not quartz she knows it's something yeah significant. obviously she doesn't quite know what it is she won't give it back to romana you know because romana i think in this story is is a little bit the way they write her mm-hmm. you know she's not for me in this story romana really doesn't you know she's not using the, the her her brain mm-hmm. as you would expect you know because i feel like all the way through she's definitely underestimating everyone in this show in this show yeah she's definitely on the back foot on this one she's on the back foot constantly and yeah. especially against lamia you know you think she's just gonna go you know give us the rock back it's nothing to do it, nothing you don't want nothing and you know as soon as lamia's seen that she's like uh-huh. I this. Aha. yeah exactly and yeah. seeing one on the back foot that much is actually really like it's kind of the worst parts of the companion role in that mm-hmm. they're just there to kind of deliver dialogue that gets you to the next part where the doctor's doing something interesting. Yeah. And then even like the bit where she gets restrained, I mean, she could easily I slip out those restraints. Sit up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, the restraints are just so terrible. I mean, she could even sort of like get her like arms up so she can like slip the tracer into her sleeve it's like come on so i'll please try harder yeah i mean it's yeah i mean that's the thing i really something about i don't know if it's mary uh, mary tam sort of doing what she they're asking her to do and Mm -hmm. i don't think it's necessarily her fault yeah i think it's the writing on this one yeah i've got a few criticisms of mary tam's performance in that she plays four different versions yeah and in especially between her and the princess Mm-hmm. They're not different at all. No. Obviously, this woman looks like her for mm-hmm. no well-explained reason. It just uh, is. Yeah. You know, it's uh, you know a convenient double show. Mm-hmm. But I mean, obviously, we don't get to see much of the princess yeah. herself. But Mary Tam doesn't really make her any different. Yeah. It's it, she's only like a slightly posher version of Romana who likes to do tapestries. Yeah. Yeah. And then, obviously, you've got Mary Tam as the android Romana, who's basically just there to, like, stony-faced and shoot laser from somewhere. Yeah. Which has left her outfit undamaged. Yeah, boob lasers, yeah. Um, Fembots. Yeah. (laughs) Machine gun jubblies, baby. (laughs) Um, And then you've got the android double of Strella, who... That's, do you know what? That's really weird, um, that sort of cliffhanger. I mean, obviously, you know, the Doctor's cottoned on, but he obviously doesn't explain himself until the start of part three. Yes. But there's nothing really in Str- the android Strella's mannerisms that really sort of tips you off. He just no. sort of, like, says, oh, I heard this buzzing. But it's not clear to us as the viewer. Like, no. there's, there's nothing, like, 
there's nothing there to actually like tip your hand to say hang on is something gone he just grabs like the king's staff and just bashes her on the head you know so if he's got this wrong he's just killed romana yeah or or princess strella (laughs) or princess strella who he hasn't even met yet so because he doesn't know anything about princess strella yeah so yeah it's i just again i I don't want to criticize mary tam too much but i just almost wish that she'd done something a bit different that tips us off as an audience or Mm. helps us understand why the doctor is tipped off yes there's nothing about apart from obviously his speech is a bit wrong dear old george as doctor calls him (laughs) um the android replica of the crown prince (laughs) is virtually indistinguishable yeah you can't even like see like a physical difference between it if it looks like slightly off yeah, somehow you know, you know to bring up a, a something where you have very lifelike human replicas so mm-hmm. something like blade runner mm-hmm. the tip off is their eyes yeah right? yeah so if you know to look for it mm-hmm. you can you as the audience can infer that from yeah. what you're watching so I just wish there'd been a, like a line of dialogue or they'd done something a bit different mm-hmm. to kind of, you know, say to the audience, I know you know. Yeah. Because that's part of the joy of it as an audience member is that you know as the character knows and things like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously you do get um, Grendel does have like a, a suspicion because, you know, quite clear when the... <laughs> That's the, that's the weird thing. The Archimandrite, right, when when he crowns the king, he turns to him and asks him for the speech. He, how does he not see the doctor reaching behind the android's yeah, ear to switch you on? <laughs> and now he slumps over in the seat. Everyone in the seat, everyone in there is looking at him. Yeah. I just, but it's like, it's even worse. Like, like, like I say, when the doctor goes to switch on the android speech circuits, like there's no way anybody in that room can't not see Tom Baker reaching around the back of this guy's neck. Yeah. And sort of go, you should, you're also kind of like, it's not like, you know, like, like your Xbox warming up yeah. or something yeah. like that. Just like, needs like a Windows startup chime or something. Yeah. Ding, 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 ding. Yeah, exactly. It's like, come on, guys. Or, you know, the Scotty goes, here, give, boom. And then as soon as you want to watch it, it's like, now nah, this needs to do some update. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it gets ever oh, so worse after every update. <laughs> we can't go to the coronation. He's only on three of ten. Yeah. <laughs> Just to, like, restart several times before it works. Yeah. They switch off and off and on several times you can lose it. Oh great. <laughs> Please insert floppy into disk drive C. It hasn't got a disk drive C. What's <laughs> the any key? <laughs> oh dear. <clears throat> anyway, all this yeah. stuff aside. Um, it's one of those classic Doctor Who stories where the enemy bases are about three minutes apart. Yeah. So yeah. it's it's a swift walk. It's one again one of the most egregious things in well, one of our our favourite our mutual favourite Dalek story uh, Genesis. Mm-hmm. It's, they're literally a short walk apart from each other. Yeah, it's like literally just down the road. Yeah, it really is. They're like eight leagues, eight leagues. You're basically at the end of the same field. Mm-hmm. Sit into the same field. Let's not beat about the bush here. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Oi. Yeah, yeah. 
yeah, so there's lots of walking backwards and forwards between people's bases. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. it's Doctor Who. You, you've got, you can't have, you know, a little caption card up saying a day later, <laughs> and then they're here. <laughs> Two hours later. Yes. <laughs> so, um, um, into this kind of ongoing kind of half panto situation <laughs> you talk about Grendel's manservant <laughs> completely a completely different accent to everyone else on this planet exactly yeah <laughs> it's weird I mean it's it's almost Ribos operation over again he is boss over again yeah but he's even half as good as Binro the heretic or anything no. like that um he's just kind of he's just there position delivery system yeah basically back yeah pretty much so, it, to, who's the, sent there to lure the Doctor into an obvious trap, mm-hmm. um, and to meet the new and improved um, Prince uh, Romana um, Android, mm-hmm. um, as presented by uh, Lamia, mm-hmm. and um, of course this all goes horribly wrong for Lamia, and she's gunned down in the middle of the episode, much to my despair. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's, going back to Lamia, it is weird. She does seem like does seem like she's been plucked out of a completely different story. But here's the thing, when you've got, when, if you're going to allude to sort of literary, you're going to basically do a do a sort of a, a literary take on a, another story, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So if you're going to call this guy Grendel, yeah. I'm sort of obviously thinking about Beowulf. Yeah. So wouldn't it have been interesting if Lamia was like the Grendel's mother kind yeah. of role? Mm. That she's the real mouse behind the throne. She's the one who's directing Grendel yeah. to do these things, if you like. Mm-hmm. Then again, you kind of already got that in this season already with um, Pirate Planet. You do have it in Pirate Planet, yeah, mm-hmm. but I just, oh, I don't know, I just I feel d- like I want honesty more. Yeah, it kind of feels like she wants to make a power play, maybe, but she doesn't. Yeah, I mean, if she'd undercut him and gone... Try to make a deal with the doctor or something like that. Mm. Well, I mean, I was thinking back to like the part where she's like holding the key to time and she's like talking with Romana. It's like it, it, this a bit to it, which makes her think like she realizes that the key segment could possibly give her some sort of power. She's mm. sort of like there's a slight undercurrent of that, but that never goes anywhere. I don't no. know whether it's just sort of like. She's so, like, enamoured of Grendel, or she's sort of, I don't want to say under the thumb, necessarily. But you know what I mean? It's like, it's it's sort of like there's a carrot of, like, a tiny little carrot of hope dangled in front of her. But she doesn't want to be too overt in trying to take it. But again, it doesn't really go anywhere. Yeah, I mean, you, get, you sort of feel like, if there'd been another line of dialogue, or mm. a little bit of dialogue where she said... You know, I'm putting up with this bloke because eventually, you know, I'm I'm gonna, you know, stab him in his sleep and then take yeah. take the throne or something like that. Mm-hmm. You know, there has to be, you know, there is. You sort of want more more explanation by her character because some with her nous mm-hmm. and her obvious intelligence and her technical ability. Why is she working for this piece of shit? Yeah, she could do a lot better than Grendel. Mm-hmm. Let's face it. There has to be something in it for her. Yeah, I mean, even if she's trying to like negotiate like um, 
to like try to defect to Reinhardt's side or something. Yeah. Maybe. Like but, selling it or yeah. just you're putting up with him so you can have a shot of the throne or something. You know, use you know, Tara's deeply shitty legal system. Yeah. That you can <laughs> just get just get your man in, marry someone who two people who are clearly under duress mm-hmm. and clearly explain your plan and say yeah, you're going to be burying these, then doing his funeral shortly after I came in front of you, and then marrying me to his this bird here. And he doesn't say it in the Arkham Android, doesn't say word one. No. He doesn't even bat an eye, which makes you think this happens all the time on Tara. All the time. I think I know why Tara sucks. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, dear. But do you know what the weird thing is? I, Android to Tara was always a bit of a weird one for me like, before I rewatched it, because I knew it existed, but I never really remembered much about it. True, yeah, same, same. Yeah, but that being said, it's not terrible. I mean, we're ragging on it quite a lot. I mean... This is what I wanted to move on to, because when we talked about this the other day off air, Mm -hmm. you said Mm -hmm. you really like this. Yeah. So come on then, let's have it. (laughs) I think it's just... I think just because it's so panto. Right. You know what I mean? And I think also, because you're not sort of hamstrung by trying to find the segment to the key to time, I mean, it's very much an afterthought in this one, by design. I think it does make for a nice little break. Right, it's just a bit, it's sort of like a, it's kind of a, not, I don't want to say fluff. Yeah, it's not, it's not like filler either. Yeah. It's, it's, It's not quite filler either because it's still part of the key to time series and it does, you know, involve... You know, Romano. I mean, that's. I, I did actually like that bit when um, Grendel says, "You know, what's happened to the statue?" And he explains that you know it was part of the family fortune. And he, he writes it off as superstition, but it's funny how sort of like the prophecy fulfills itself. Yes. And everything that's does like fall apart. I did like that. Um, yeah. I I just I don't know. It's just sort of like I say, it is just sort of fluff. I mean, you've got like the Doctor Sword fighting with Grendel. Which, <laughs> in true Tom Baker fashion, he does start off as being a cluster, but then he sort of like slowly shows that actually he does know what he's doing, as yeah. of course he would do because he sort of fought with the master in his previous incarnation. So you yeah, know, and in future incarnations, he'll prove himself to be just as adept. Mm-hmm. So obviously, you sort of you kind of trying to lull Grendel into a false sense of security, mm. and then again because this is sort of a panto. You have to then disarm your opponent, and then give him his sword back because you haven't you've beaten, haven't beaten him properly. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. And and you sort of get the the villain fist shake. I'll get you next time. Gadget next time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I do like how um, Grendel actually does get away though. Yeah, they're just like it's, it's, it's a nice little change though because yeah. usually like the villains get offed or imprisoned or like so really. The doctor solved nothing. He's just no. sort of like postponed. Postponed <laughs> yeah. the inevitable. You feel yeah. like we're I mean, really a position and legal system as wet as Tara. You feel yeah. like Kendall's gonna get in eventually. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Reinhardt and uh, Strella get there happily ever after, maybe. But even then, he's yeah, sort of no one, no one sort of. Well, okay, fair enough. You don't get the wedding at the end, but you you presume that happens like. Ten minutes after this all happened, because apparently that's how things roll on Tara. Yeah, it gets surprisingly better though. <laughs> at that point, yeah, he was basically on death's door, yeah. and then he was fine. <laughs> I got better. <laughs> Adrenaline's a hell of a thing, isn't it? It's a hell of a thing. Yes, yeah. yes. 
Um, That's true, but yeah, he does seem a lot better by the end of the show. Perhaps <laughs> someone uh, gave him a little, gave him a little pick me up on the way round. Mm. Um, I would say that his staff maybe needs a bit of a, you know, a, a body infusion since it seems to be two people. Yeah, I mean that's kind of weird since he, uh, he's. Uh, I think I'm trying to. Think, he was first in line for the throne, wasn't he? Yes. So he's only got these two dudes. I mean, well, he's got a couple of other dudes, but there's not that many dudes. Yeah. I mean, if like, Grendel seems to have to pace, you don't see their faces. Yeah, I mean, I think Grendel seems to have more than <laughs> than he does. I mean, he's got kind of a you know a bit more people and a more of a continuity in. Uh... Mm-hmm. In um, you know that the, what's that dude's name? He's kind of his beardy kind of companion fella. Oh, I can't remember his oh, name. Oh, Zadek. Yeah, who basically just takes talking of sexual predators, decides that <laughs> the time the best thing to do while his boss is in a sword fight for his life is creep off to see the princess and probably go and rape her. Is what I feel like is about to happen. Oh, we mean Kirsta. Sorry, I mean yes, uh, Kirsta. Sorry, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, that that was. Weird. See, so sort of just like leaves it. <laughs> and then sort of Romana sort of breaks a tapestry over him, and he seems kind of like stunned. And then Strella sort yeah. of. They feel like they switched him off. Yeah, it's so weird because Strella sort of like slightly bonks him over the head with a vase, and but he doesn't even sort of like fall over unconscious. He just sort of like says like uh Start spraying milk out of his mouth like all the prints in um, Alien. <laughs> Maybe. I mean, that w- that would have been interesting if uh, he turned out to be an android. Just. <laughs> yeah, so sorry. We, we we went off on a tangent while you were explaining why you liked it. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> but you know, it, it's it's not great, but it, uh, story-wise, it's it's fine. It's fun. You know, it's, it's just it's fun. fun. Yeah. Androids is kind of like one of those stories that I would sort of watch, like on Boxing Day, mm-hmm. like when you're sort of comatose and full of turkey sandwiches. Yeah, it's kind of that sort of thing you want to watch, isn't it? It's... Yeah, it, it's kind of like like dinosaurs on a spaceship. It's nothing like it doesn't make you think, but it's just a good romp. Yeah, and it's got some enjoyable characters in it. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I, I can certainly see that. Um, for me, I mean, I was I was a touch disappointed with it because, it, like I say, I'm totally with you in that it's a fun story, but I just for me, it's a touch half-assed. Yeah. I mean, I'll get, yeah, I'll, I'll concede that it is half-assed and it could have done better, but I don't, I'm trying to, like, remember, was this sort of, like, I, I seem to remember, like, this was sort of got messed around a bit within pre-production, like, somebody yes. was trying to write us another story and then that sort of fell through and then they have to, like, cobble something together. And it does show. Yeah. Um, allow, me, allow me a second to refer to the book because there is a, a little tidbit about that. Yeah, this was basically, so what it says here in the book... Mm-hmm. Uh, the first story considered for this slot was The Shield of Zanak by mm-hmm. Ted Lewis, author of the novel which became the film Get Carter. The production team persevered with this storyline well into season 17, but it was obvious from the start <laughs> that Lewis's shambolic personal life needed more attention than his script. He attended a script meeting drunk, and so mm-hmm. Robert Holmes was approached to rework The Moon of Death as a quick replacement. In the meantime, David Fisher was asked to pull together an idea suggested when he, devised, when he was devising the, the Stones of Blood which is what became this story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, I think it was just like one of those pre-production shenanigan things, and then we ended up with this. Yes. Which, I mean, you know, considering the circumstances... It turns out all right. 
turns out all right and it does it, it, it does its job and you can't you can't sort of fault it for that but i just feel like i mean something that we'll come on to when we talk when we do the wrap-up show for me this is a touch you know it's a touch half-assed mm-hmm. and you know, especially that you know we're four we're four episode or four serials into the key to time season. It's and starting to drag now. It's dragging a touch, and I feel like they're like it's it's more of a bur- it's more of a burden than a mm-hmm. you know than a, a sort of an inspiration. Yeah. To to kind of jump off and make it an interesting story, it's kind of like you know let's just get it out of the way. Mm-hmm. And then we'll do just a Doctor Who story, and I mean because when we first kept came to came to be introduced the idea of the key of time you know this is a mm-hmm. seismic thing this yeah. is maybe the most important thing in the universe full stop mm-hmm. and you know we're four serials in and we can't bother with it already yeah <laughs> but i mean on the whole if you're taking this in isolation you know maybe you know if you nip to the first five minutes of this mm-hmm. that make it a key to time story yeah it's entirely passable later era tom baker story yeah it is i can't i can't disagree with that Oh well. Okay, so. <laughs> is there anything? Is there anything else that um, you wanted to uh, wanted to bring up about the Android Atara? Anything that uh, that popped out? Do you know what? Not really. I think we've sort of like pretty much covered all the main bases. Yeah, really. I mean, it's kind of one of the. It's kind of in the. It's it's kind of weird androids because mm. it's it's kind of too much like Reboss in a way, and it's not as mm. good as Reboss. It's it's one of those ones you sort of compare it to other stories and think oh it's not quite as yeah as punchy as those other ones and it's kind of again it's if unless you're watching for something that like you say like dinosaurs and spaceships something you just want to watch to you know mm-hmm. pass the time or something where you're sort of hung over or ill or <laughs> <laughs> something like that something that you don't have to you know put too much brain power into mm-hmm. then you know. I couldn't recommend you anything better than androids almost really. Yeah. But, you know, I feel like the, it's, you know, so we always go on about when you're looking down your row of DVDs and which one am I going to watch today? Mm-hmm. I think you've got to be in a sort of a really sort of specific frame yeah. of mind to go, ooh, androids. Retire. Yeah. Yeah. That's entirely fair. Yeah. Uh, so I don't think it's bad. I think there's, a no. lot to, there's lots to enjoy about it. Yeah. But, when, when you're in this sort of format like we are sort of picking it apart and thinking about it mm-hmm. it kind of crumbles under scrutiny somewhat yeah but it, it's it's alright it's very much just switch it, yeah just switch your brain off and just let it just let, let it happen let it cross over you yeah yeah you know enjoy enjoy Tom Baker being Tom Baker mm-hmm. because you know this is not quite the height of his powers obviously mm-hmm. we're not we're getting on to season 17 where things you know the things begin to fall apart a little bit for him yeah um but yeah the, i think and as well from the watching the dvd the the really remarkable lack of info text yeah mm, quite a dry one bbc mm-hmm. um you know i feel like i'm quite surprised there's quite a lack of tom baker shenanigans around this one yeah it's it's kind of odd yeah it, i think it was just like one of those ones yeah they had a bit of a rocky start and mm. they sort of like Re- regrouped and it just everything just seemed to i mean a, a few people fell in the water but apart from that it was just sort of like yeah it was well, pretty smooth they yeah. didn't you know the weather was fine they're able to record all the locations mm-hmm. tom seemed content to just change a couple of lines of dialogue which is yeah. pretty restrained from him you know i think it's probably because he got to talk to k9 and 
you know, um, go fishing and have a big sword fight and all that sort of thing. It was probably, you know, you probably thought, great, and that'll do for me mm-hmm. <laughs> for this week, <laughs> and sort of left it at that. So, yeah, yeah, it's quite remarkable. Hmm. There you go. It's interesting because of that. <clears throat> nothing else. Yeah. It's it's remarkable and how unremarkable it turned out to be. Yes. Everything's interesting. <laughs> yeah. In some way, shape or form. Yes. <laughs> so, if you have any thoughts about the androids of Tara, you can send us it to us at uh, greatestshowsimplysyndicated.com, uh, facebook.com slash greatestshowpodcast, or on Twitter at greatestshowpod. While you're on Simply Syndicate, do check out all the other great shows. Um, do help us out. We do still need your support. For uh, £6 a month, you can subscribe to Simply Everything, which is Simply Everything that Simply Syndicate has ever produced. We have our merch store, we have PayPal, Patreon, and all that great stuff. Um, So with that being said, thank you very much, Emma. Thank you, Mike. And until next time, bye-bye.